there is room at the table for you. One of my favorite Thanksgiving traditions is uh, probably started around 10 years ago. Our family got a heart for staff members who were by themselves on Thanksgiving. So we invited them into our home and our family just got a little bit bigger. Well, that tradition continued year after year. And a few years ago, it was so big that we could not logistically gather in our home. So we just said, hey, let's just go to the church. We know we'll have plenty of room. No one's going to be there. So that's what we did. So on Thursday, we had a few of our staff members here. We always have some college students, maybe international students, and we just have a blast together. This table is my favorite table. We used it on Thanksgiving because it was the dessert table. I mean, pecan pie. I mean, it is still like we've got stains from the banana cream pie. I, I sampled every dessert. Loved it. Uh, but my favorite moment on Thanksgiving, besides the Dallas Cowboys winning, was uh, I got into a little game of hide-and-go-seek with our staff kids. And I hid in this room just over your left shoulder, back row of the atrium. I kind of laid down, and it took them over 30 minutes to find me. For about 10 minutes, I dozed and took a nap. Best part of my day. If you have ever dozed and taken a nap in this room, please don't let me know that, all right? <laughs> Maybe if it was another teacher, but your pa for the love of your pastor, don't tell me you've ever fallen asleep during a sermon. But uh, I, I'm excited about this moment, being at the table, because we've been going through the, the letter of Romans, and I imagine it's, it's imagine Paul when he's writing this letter, that he's sitting at a table, and he's concluding this letter, and he starts listing names, 35 names to be exact. And he starts to think of all the good memories he had and all the love that he has for his friends and his church family. So he mentions them by name, and he honors them. I imagine that he was thinking about all the, the memories he had, the times of fellowship, the time that they had around a table where they were eating and, and talking about Christ and praying together and laughing together. And so it was during that time that, that, that Paul became real, like as a pastor. For the first 15 chapters, he's theologian and teacher. And now in the 16th chapter, he's pastor. He's a friend of the people. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans 16. And as we go through these names, what happened for me is I started making connections of people in our own church family. So those 35 names matter to Paul. I, we have room up here for about seven people in this service that I'm going to name. I'm going to surprise you. <laughs> All right. And so when I mention your name, will you please stand up, come forward, and join me at the table. All right. Ivana Toll, my pops, Randy Van Pay, Nancy Martinez, Nanette and Jeff Fay, Jill Valencia, and Shane Hines. Will y'all please join me at the table? And as they come up, know that they're important. Their names matter. Their stories matter. But so do each of you. These make up the church. We don't go to a church. It's not about a building or a location. As we go through this chapter, you're going to discover the church is about a family tree of relationships. 
It's about our friendships with each other as the body of Christ, brothers and sisters who are united because of Jesus. And because Jesus is the center of our relationships, that makes us a, a supernatural fellowship, the family of God. We're members of God's household. And so I want us to read through these, these names and remember that it's Jesus first and then people second. It, 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 it can never, rules can never trump relationships here at GFC. Policies can never matter more than people, right? That this is about family. We are a family. And Jesus said it real simply when he was asked, what is the most important? He said, to love God with all of your heart. And then he said, to love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. So it's God first, people second. And so as we read, let's discover the first name mentioned in Romans 16. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea. So you should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever matter she may require your help. For indeed, she has been a benefactor of many and of me also. So Phoebe, her name means bright, radiant. Do you know people in your life who they are bright and radiant? For me, it's my wife, Stephanie. She's got a positive attitude, and her life filled with joy is like a breath of fresh air to me and to our church family. But Paul mentions Phoebe by name, and, he, and, and the translation is servant, but it's a Greek word, diakoneo, which is the exact same word used to describe himself and Apollos in 1 Corinthians, Tychius in Ephesians, and Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. He refers to her as being a great help to many people, including himself. She was a leader. She was a deaconess in this church of Sincrea, which was a port city of Corinth. She is the one who carried the letter, the Roman letter. Imagine her risking her safety, her courageous spirit, as she took a journey on the Roman road and gave this letter to the church in Rome. Imagine the anticipation, the excitement, this church. This was before the time of emails and text messages, right? So when they got this letter inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by the apostle and pastor Paul, she was the carrier of this this letter. She was important. She was a female who was important to the kingdom of God. Ivana, will you please stand up? I first met Ivana. Ivana serves on our worship team, right, today, and she's also a small group leader, but we first met at the movie theater. It was probably 2010, 2010, and she was the only female on our setup team. So we used to like set up like the trailer was out back and then we would move all of our cases in and out. And she would show up at like 645, 7 o'clock and faithfully. I didn't think she was going to last long, but she lasted. And she's been faithful. Ivana, as a church family, we honor and recognize you for being so important to our church family. You matter. And not only you, but you're a small group leader. And so in the, besides you guys, you waited a moment, but... Can I ask all of our females who serve as volunteers or small group leaders, please stand to your feet in this room right now. Can we express our appreciation and our honor to all of our 
sisters who serve so faithfully. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You all may be seated. The next people that Paul mentions, he says in verse 3, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile churches. We know from Paul's letters that Priscilla and Aquila, they were a married couple. They were tent makers with Paul. So they were bivocational. They were served in the ministry, but also they... They, they worked, they had a skill, and they, they used that to, to fund and, and support themselves and the ministry. But they were also house church leaders. They were small group leaders in, at both uh, Corinth and in Rome, in two different places, and they, they served the Lord. They opened up their home. They, they were so loved by Paul because they risked their lives for Paul. Do you have people that you have loved so much that they would be willing to risk their lives for you? Paul honored Priscilla and Aquila. The next person he mentions is Epantius. Epantius' name means worthy of praise. And it was most likely one of Paul's first converts. As you read in Acts chapter 19, there were 12 individuals. And these 12 individuals became the believers that started the church in Ephesus that became the probably the, the, the most fruitful church in church history. Because of this church, everyone in Asia Minor heard the good news of Jesus. But this man was a pillar. He was one of the first believers, the foundation in this church. And, and so, Pops, will you stand up, please? When... Dad was one of the original seven in my living room on Labor Day weekend. And Dad, you served as greeter. You served in the ministry for many, many years. And you modeled for me what it means to be a pastor and a, a dad who loves his children and his wife. And you have championed marriages. In fact, if you've ever been in re-engage or you've been counseled by my, my, my pops, I wonder, would you mind standing up or raising your hand? In this room, because I know there's so many people that you you have touched and you've influenced. And so I think together we all honor you, Dad, for being a pillar in our church and elder. We love you and honor you. It's a little bit harder than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Next mentioned in Romans 16 is Mary. And Mary is mentioned by Paul as being a hard worker. She worked very hard in the church. So Paul takes into account there are varying levels of service in the church. And it's wonderful that he acknowledges this one as being a hard worker. Nancy Martinez, will you stand to your feet? <laughs> Nancy has been, how, when did you start coming to GFC, Nancy? 2011, and she and Joe and her children have been an important part of our church family, daughters on the mission field. But Nancy, I believe you started as a greeter, as a greeter, came and worked with our, our counting the church's money, so full of integrity and had a servant's heart. She served her way to leadership and now serves on our staff with our financial team. Nancy, we honor you. You are a joy in the office. You are an encouragement to me, to our team, and to our church family. You are a hard 
worker. You've, you've overcome challenges. You are in challenges with Joe, but you, you, you hold your head high. You trust the Lord. We love and appreciate you, Nancy. We love you. Next, Paul mentions Adronius and Junius. This is another couple. And Junius is a, is a feminine, feminine name, and they were in Christ before Paul. So these people were serving the Lord, knowing Jesus before Paul. So Paul acknowledges them as being leaders, but he acknowledges their maturity as they were elders before the Lord. And we must do that as well. Uh, they were known as, as outstanding among the apostles. So the, they were either highly distinguished by the apostles or they were apostles themselves. Church history says by Christosom, who was a church father, he says this about them. And indeed, to be apostles at all is a great thing. But to be even amongst those of note, just consider what a great inconium this is. But they were of note owing to their works, to their achievements. Oh, how great is the devotion of this woman that she would be counted worthy of the appellation of apostle. And so even by their names mentioned, they were given great recognition and distinction of ministry before the ministry and time of Paul. So we must remember those who were in the Lord, who paved the way for us, who gave and served in our church family. I'm wondering if those of you who are in our church family, uh, if you are over the age of 50, I'm not at that age yet. But if you are over 50, will you stand up in this room right now? And I want to honor those of you who have a little bit of gray hair. That's wisdom. You are an important part of our church family. Your experiences, your, you are a treasure to us. And we honor you as elders in our church family. Thank you. <laughs> Next, Paul mentions... And Pleiades, and he's described only as whom I love in the Lord. He's not mentioned because of anything that he did. And I wonder if it's because maybe he couldn't. He might have been an invalid or physically disadvantaged, but he mattered to Paul and to this church. And we must remember those who may not, they may not because of physical reasons, they're not able to serve in the kingdom of God, but they're present and they matter to the Lord. Amen. There's another couple mentioned. It's the third couple mentioned by Paul. It's Urbanus and Stachius. And they are a married couple and their names mean, Urbanus means polite and Stachius means ear of corn. And I wonder, I mean, when you read Bible names, a lot of times they, their personalities lived up to to these names, right? So they were polite, and I wonder if just being by them, it felt like they were, it was like eating a good treat, like a ear of corn, maybe. <laughs> but Nanette and Jeff Fay, will you please stand up? They serve in our cafe team, and their cafe leads since the beginning of the, the year, and our director of volunteers, Jessica, said that you I said, describe them, and she said they are reliable, hardworking, and faithful. And it was a few weeks ago that we got to know each other a little bit better. Uh, Jeanette's from the, or Nanette's from the Philippines, 
and Jeff is a Packer fan along with my father. So uh, we love you in spite of, of uh, those differences. Good thing Jesus is the center of our, no, I'm just kidding. But you are so faithful and you serve together in the cafe and you're such a joy. We honor you, we recognize your faithful service to our church family. Love you both. And then there's a name, it's Apelles. And Apelles is mentioned by Paul as being tested and approved in Christ. Imagine that Apelles probably faced a trial and was proved faithful on the other side. And that brought encouragement to Paul and to this church. Jill Valencia, will you stand to your feet? Jill and her husband Herb have served as small group leaders, coaches, uh, they've served and re-engaged. Jill was the person of peace, the person of, that found favor with our Highlands campus that we were able to adopt and was the, 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 the gate opener, so to speak. But uh, Jill's also, if you know her story, a cancer survivor and has faced some trials personally, but also in your family. But you've never, you never give up. You are always here. You're always faithful to the Lord. You love people. We recognize that, Jill, when we saw this name as someone who was tested and proved faithful, you came to our mind as someone who has been tested, and you've gone through the fire. You may smell a little bit like smoke, but you are an encouragement. You champion marriages, and we love you and recognize what you do here in our church family for the Lord. We love you, Jill. These next names are interesting because they all have ties to government and civil service. Aristobulus' household was someone who was connected with Caesar Nero's administration. He was a uh, he, he ended up dying, but his household was saved, and he was con they were connected to the Lord. Herodian has a connection with Herod. And Paul actually calls him uh, a relative. So maybe even before the, the conversion days, this was someone that he was connected with. And then the Narcissus household, uh, history says, church history says, Narcissus has been, had been executed on orders from Nero's mother, Agrippina, three or four years before Paul wrote this letter to the church of Rome. He served as a secretary to Caesar Claudius and was reputed as being uh, who had become rich through bribes. And so when Paul writes even to the letter to the Philippi, the church in Philippians, uh, he says, greet those who are part of Caesar's household. And so that would have encompassed these last three households. These were people that were serving in the administration of Caesar and some of these civil uh, connections. And I, I, I pray, and, and there's another family, another person that serves as well that, that Paul mentions. And, and we must remember those who serve in, in civil and government, whether it be city, state, or national level. We must pray for our church, our leaders, that they would become part of the church. Uh, but we must pray. I pray for people in our own church family, uh, children and students that, that God would call to work in the legal field, to be lawyers, Christian lawyers, judges, and would help shape the values and the, the laws in our country. Amen. And then the 15th and 16th people that Paul mentions is Tryphena and Tryphosa. 
and their names suggest that they were either twins or sisters. And it's a paradox because he calls them hard workers in the Lord, despite the fact that their names mean dainty and delicate. So these are girls that, by looking at them on the outside, don't worry, Shane, I'm not going to mention you for that. <laughs> but, but these are people that maybe when you look at them on the outside, they may not look like, uh, like they, would, they could do much. But, hey, it's what's inside that counts, and they would roll up their sleeves and work hard in the kingdom of God. The next person mentioned is Perseus. And notice the tact here of Paul, who other people he would refer to as my beloved. For this person, he calls the beloved. Why does he do this? Well, Perseus is a, is a woman. And Paul wants no one to draw any false conclusions here. But unlike dainty and delicate, uh, whose work was in the present tense, Perseus is mentioned as work in the past tense. So we must remember those who maybe no longer able to worship with us, maybe worshiping with us online because of their shut-in or because of their age. I'm remembering people who served like the Rayburns as small group leaders, but because of age and physical condition, no able, not able to meet with us in person. And Percy's would have been someone like that. The next person is a fun name, Rufus. The name means red or red-headed. Uh, this history says that this is perhaps the son of Simon of Cyrene who carried the cross of Christ in Mark chapter 15, verse 21. If so, no wonder Rufus is chosen of the Lord. And we must honor and care of the sons and daughters of those who serve so faithfully in our church. 19 through 23 is Asynchronous, Phlegon, Hermes, and Hermas, these are all bachelors or leaders of small groups that were all men. Shane, it's your turn. Please stand to your feet. Shane has been a, uh, a small group leader for about a year, right? You got married, met your beautiful wife, and both of you serve the Lord, important part of our church family. And we've seen how your relationship, you've gone through uh, the marriage ministries here. But I love seeing you even online. You are bold in your witness for Jesus. And you're a soul winner. You're a disciple maker. And you're faithful. And we're grateful as a young man that you are an important part of our church family. I honor not only you, but all of the men in our church. If you serve as a volunteer or small group leader or house leader, will you please stand to your feet? Whether you serve in the parking lot as ushers, thank you, men. We applaud you. We appreciate you. You lead the way in our church family. Thank you. We honor you all may be seated. The next group of people mentioned are Philogus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister Olympus. This is another house church. Uh, they led a a small group that became a church meeting in their house. Nearest brings conjecture here because in 95 AD, two distinguished Roman citizens were condemned as Christians, a husband and wife, Flavius Clemens and Domitia. Domitia was the niece of the then reigning emperor Domitia, who was the granddaughter of Vespasian, she was exiled and her husband killed. 
Nereseus was their chamberlain, a bedroom attendant, and who led them to the Lord. And so this would have been someone who would function as a, as a maid or a cook or took care of the house. This would have been people maybe symbolized in our church family who take care of our facilities, who empty out the trash cans in between services, who serve in the cafe, who show hospitality to our church family. To all of you who are an important part of our church family, we thank you, appreciate, and honor your service as well. And may not only you find your identity in what you do, but who you are as a child of God, but also as a soul winner like Nereus was. So what lessons can we gather from these first 27 names written by Paul? Well, first, we are the church. We don't go to church, right? We, are, we don't just go to church. We are a church family. Second, we don't have just one minister. We are all ministers. Look at the descriptions given by Paul in Romans 16. Helper of many, risked their necks, worked hard, fellow workers, approved in Christ, and beloved. They're commended both for their character and their conduct. I imagine that they would be surprised to know that we're talking about them in a worship service 20 centuries later. But they were important, and their names are etched into our Bibles for us to know that their service mattered to the kingdom of God. And your names matter as well. Paul doesn't talk much about himself. It was a mark of humility. But he acknowledges and honors the service of others. The Bible says that you are a royal priesthood. And as pastors here at our church, we acknowledge that our first, number one on our job description is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We do that according to Ephesians 4. We know that we're stronger if we equip you to minister to our church family. And so those of you who are faithful and leading small groups and serving here in ministry and loving on our, our, our marriage and couples who are struggling, you matter and we need you. You are mission critical to our church family. Third, there's a lot of women who are mentioned by Paul who provided vital service to the church. In fact, nine of the women of the 27 are mentioned and, nine, and two of them are, are mentioned as either deacons or apostles, important roles in the kingdom of God. And we acknowledge in some faith traditions, women may not maybe matter as much as men, but I'm going to tell you here at our church family, we acknowledge and honor our, our sisters as much as our brothers in the kingdom of God. Another distinction that's made is how many couples. There's three couples. I love that when I see husbands and wives serve together in the Lord's service. Fifth, there's family members serving the Lord. And we should serve with our parents, grandparents, our children, in our own family, but also recognize that we are all part of the family of God. And then finally, singles serve the Lord. There's so many singles here that are mentioned. And sometimes whether you're divorced, widowed, or a single, you may not you may allow the enemy to voice uh, a, a voice that can bring a little bit of shame. And I'd ask that you silence all of those voices because you are an important part of our church family. And so of all these people and their backgrounds, whether they're singled or they're married or they make up different uh, whether they're Jew or Greek or Roman, rich and poor, upper middle class, lower social economic and different cultural background, what unites this church and what unites our church is Jesus Christ. 
and he is the one that makes us a fellowship. And Paul tells this church, he says, greet each other with a holy kiss. I've always found that a little bit humorous, though that's part, not part of our culture as much. Now, I, I, I like the Hispanic culture. Sometimes if you travel and you go and you'll see the kiss on both cheeks. But uh, for here, I, I, I love that we hug each other. I love that we're past the pandemic and we can have a little bit of embrace. But let's be lavish in, in demonstrating in both word and action our love for each other before and after service, during our small group gatherings. Amen? Now, Paul's not done here. There's a small group that is almost peeking over his shoulder as he's finishing this letter. And he's saying, hey, tell the church at Rome we love them and we miss them. Tell them we said hi as well. Who are those people? The first person is Timothy. He comes from a mixed faith home. He had a Jewish mother and grandmother, but his father was a Gentile, most, not, most likely not saved. Paul became a spiritual father for young Timothy. And for those of you who are junior high, high school, college age, we want you to know you're not just the church of tomorrow, you're the church of today. In fact, Mike Oweddle was playing the drums today. I love that he was on the front lines. And you're an important part of our church family. You matter to us in a very significant way. Another person that's mentioned, three people, Lucius, Jason, and so spatter, each of them are important because he said, Paul called them his countrymen. But Lucius is one of the five prophets and teacher in the Antioch church whose prayer meeting launched many of the missionary journeys. Jason is the one who was dragged by a mob from his home in Thessalonica who accused, uh, was one accused of turning the world upside down and sheltering Paul, and then so Spatter was from Beraria, who accompanied Paul with the offering on the journey to Jerusalem. Each one of them were co-laborers. They made the light, the burden a little bit lighter for Paul. And we must remember that everything is better in teams. That as a church family, we've all been given unique gifts, but each of us have different personalities and backgrounds and experiences, and together we're a lot stronger. Together we make this church healthy. Amen? And then there's Tertius. His name means third. It's a name given, uh, it would be a, a common name given for a slave according to their birth order. And some slaves were educated, and such was Tertius, because Paul identifies him as the one who dictated the letter to Rome. History says that Paul's eyes were so bad that that it was con everyone knew that it was a struggle. Maybe this was a thorn in his flesh, but he would verbally communicate this letter, and Tertius was the one who would write it. I, this person is sim symbolizes the people in our church who have administrative gifts, <laughs> who serves as secretary, serves on our financial team, and without them, maybe our church would um, get into a wreck, right? They keep us on the, the tracks, and I honor and appreciate everybody who has that administrative gift. Gaius is someone who's mentioned here as uh, not only in this letter, who opened up his home so Paul could write this letter, but he's also mentioned in 1 Corinthians 1 as one of just two people who Paul baptized in the church of Corinth. 
and history would support evidence that he would he his home was right beside the synagogue in Corinth and so he would open up his home and he symbolizes all those people who maybe were a little bit financially well off who opened up their hearts their homes and even bank accounts for the cause of Christ and some of you have certainly been given the gift of generosity and you've been blessed and you know that you are you've been blessed to be a blessing to others and we appreciate your generosity and your service for the kingdom of God. Another person mentioned is Erastus. Erastus, Paul mentions as a city treasure. What's interesting is that in 1929, members of the American School of Classical Studies in Athens found in Corinth a marble paving block with the inscription, Erastus, Commissioner for Public Works laid this pavement at his own expense. And so this is someone who was, uh, maybe after he became a believer, was promoted to city treasurer, the name or the role that Paul identified him as. And again, this is a, a reminder for all of us to pray, for, pray for our sons and daughters, pray for people in our church that would serve their way to leadership, not just in the church family, but in our city and places of government for the Lord. And then finally, is Quartus. His name means fourth, probably another person who was born into a slave family, and he is simply mentioned by Paul as our brother. And Paul mentions each of these names when he remembered their names. There was a, a word, a phrase, or a sentence that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to honor and appreciate them. Who do you want to be remembered for? When you, like me, if the Lord doesn't come back and we pass on, what are your children, your grandchildren, what are your church brothers and sisters going to remember you for? Faithful, hospitable, faithful small group leader, worked hard at the church, loved their family, brother, sister. About 10 years ago, I was uh, having this conversation with, Johnny Howe, his wife Amy, led worship with us today. And I, and I said that. I said, imagine your, your name on a, on a tombstone. What do you want to remember, be remembered for? And he replied very quickly. He said, soul winner. And we look at all the college students who have surrendered their life to Jesus because of the pioneering spirit of Johnny and Amy Howe. And they've been faithful. Certainly it's already come true and he's not even passed away yet. Don't wait. Be intentional by the grace and the gift that God gives you. Don't bury the talents, but serve the Lord. Serve the church. And so first, who do you want to be remembered for? Second, who are the people in your life that you need to appreciate and honor? And I want to challenge you to honor and appreciate five people connected to our church family. Before the day is over, would you appreciate them? Even as you may look around this room, you may be sitting beside someone, I want you to honor them, appreciate them, tell them why they're special, recognize them, recognize who they are and their service for the Lord. If they're not here, maybe you'll call them, text them, maybe publicly honor them on social media. But let's, let's be lavish in our encouragement and honor as a church. I want GFC to have a culture of honor where this is a place where we love build up and encourage. We live in a world and a culture that does the opposite. 
that we see a lot of people being negative and criticizing and tearing people down. But may we be marked by our unity and our love for each other. Amen.